welcome once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Saturday Night Live ran a skit once where a high school student wanting to skip school led to a takeover by the Soviet Union as the entire country followed his lead to skip out on what they were doing, including the president and the Pentagon. We feel that way about our lives as well. Stop being busy and it'll all fall apart. Teaching team member David McNeely brings this message entitled Distracted, which covers Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Thank you for joining us today. This morning, I want you to know that I will get to the end of this sermon and you will be very frustrated. And that is because I'm going to offer you virtually no solutions to a huge problem. So I'm going to commit the cardinal sin of a preacher this morning, and that is I'm going to try to convince you that something is wrong with you. Something is wrong with me. Something is wrong with us. It is killing us, and yet I am convinced that we don't really believe it, and we ignore it. I'm going to ask a good friend of mine to come out, and I've uh, written some questions down that I want to ask him uh, here on stage, but it's a guy that you know, many of you know who he is. Um, you know that he's very, very funny. He has a gift to make us laugh, and he does it often with me. And uh, so, but what I talk about is uh, a particular condition that he has. He has a, a disease that he has developed, and um, and I want to come out and talk about um, how he's dealing with it, and what would be the ramifications if he chooses uh, not to uh, to do anything about it at all. So, um, the disease is called aprosis disorder disease. And so my good friend Rip Pruitt, would you come out and let me uh, interview you and ask you a few questions about this? Appreciate What's going it. What's on, bud? Huh? Appreciate it, man. Yeah. I feel yeah. so far away. Anything. Come on a little closer. I'm not technically in the middle of the stage now. But, yeah, um, no. It's, okay. I'm just happy to be here. Anything I can do to get on the big stage, I'm all about <laughs> it. So. I understand that. Hey, uh, first of all, I want to make sure that I got this correct. Yep. Is it uh, operosis disorder? Um, no, that's, I think you got me confused. I'm, I'm sorry. I was told I'm supposed to be doing the sermon this morning. <laughs> so not, yeah, no, you actually, and you said it right the first time. Good job. That is, that is aparosis disorder disease. Okay, good. Um, tell me, uh, tell me a little bit about the disease itself. Yeah. Um, well, first off, I mean, it's, it really isn't a, a big deal at all. Um, it's completely manageable. It's, it's, um, you know, Nothing big. It is rare. It's a rare disease, but it's something that generally doesn't um, onset until your adulthood. Um, kind of once you've become mature, like like myself, obviously. So, <laughs> does that mean you did not have it as a child, or? Yeah, no. Um, it actually didn't even surface till my thirties. Um, and again, it's you know, it, it, it's completely manageable. It doesn't slow me down, uh, you know, a bit. It doesn't affect my life that much. But you know, the, I have had to make small changes and, and uh, little adjustments to my daily life. But other than that, it's I mean, uh, right. what kind of changes? Yeah, um, you know, for example, um, just little things like I've got to eat a lot faster, um, or even standing up helps a lot of times. So if we're ever out to lunch and I'm eating really fast with you, it doesn't mean I don't want to have lunch with you. I may not want to have lunch with you, but it, that's not the indicator. So, not really. I'm always good to eat. All right, eating, standing up, eating fast, that's got to be somewhat annoying. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's not bad. Again, it's, it's manageable, it's easy, it doesn't slow me down. Uh, you know, there are things that, that kind of affect in other ways, like it does take time away from my family. Um, there's things that I, that I can't do as much that I would like to, just simple things like uh, 
exercising, hanging out with friends, traveling, really just kind of most things of leisure. But Is that because of treatment? Yeah, you know, or, or maybe not quite, a, a, you know, addressing it like I should. Um, there's, a, you know, I would say that, you know, s- small effects can happen when I don't treat. With, but, uh, by the way, you are sweating profusely oh, right yeah, now. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's like running down your shirt. Sure, pants. sure, yeah, that's just a little bit of sweat. It's the, the combination of the lights with a little bit of nerves, the, the disorder will sometimes set off hyperactivity in my sweat glands. But again, so it's, you know, what I was saying is, it doesn't slow me down, you know, I'm still 110 miles an hour in my job, you know, I've got, um, I'm making all my meetings, you know, I'm taking my son, dropping him off to all these different things, you know, I'm constantly on the go. In fact, we've got um, like three weddings that I think that I'm doing uh, over the summer that, um, hey, hey, that, oh, and that keeps me. No, 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 hold on, hold on. You, you are bleeding right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's just, I mean, it's not a big deal. Who doesn't bleed, right? Um, so anyways, listen, David, so I've got these three weddings, and whenever, you know, I officiate a wedding, my wife and I require, you know, 12 hours of premarital counseling, so three right, uh, you know, sometimes a couple's leaving, another one's coming in. In fact, I've got this wedding next week that I'm doing that, um, oh, dear um, Lord, dude, that it's, it, you know, it's, we go right no, no, out no, of no, town no, no. afterwards. You, you and, are, hair is like falling out of your chin at this moment. Right, no, yeah, well that's, uh, David, I'm trying to kind of give you a little bit of insight into my life and this whole thing, but this is, this will grow back. My wife likes me to keep it tight anyway, so it's, it's not a big deal. But, um, you know, so even like next month, I've got this event that I'm doing in, in Chicago. It's this corporate event where I'm doing like, you know, entertainment game night. And it's, you know, I can't be telling that, calling them, telling them, oh, you know, I, I can't, I can't do, sorry. That I can't. Dude, no, 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 I got to stop. I got to stop. You, you are sweating like a pig. You are bleeding as if you've been shot. Yeah, I got a little You have hair here. falling out of your, and now you're shedding like a snake, dude. What's well, going on? You, you know what, David, listen, it, it doesn't slow me down. I don't, I don't know why this should be slowing us down. I, I'm trying to kind of tell you a little bit about my life, but it's okay if you're not comfortable with this. Definitely not. This doesn't, no. you know, my life keeps going. We've got things to do in our life. But anyways, all that to say, it's not a big deal to live with. You can't even tell that I have this disorder. <laughs> so it's, I just keep plugging away at life. But, I, you know, I appreciate you having me out here. To, Dude, yeah. get to a doctor. <laughs> Well, I've, I've got one in a couple of months. I'm sure he'll be like, oh, you're just fine. Think, you know, just normal, whatever. So anyways, I just appreciate you having me out here. And thanks for the interview, buddy. Hey, thank you. All right. Appreciate that. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> um, just to put you at ease, that wasn't real. He has uh, chosen a title for his uh, disease that obviously is made up, but did you know that aprosis is actually Latin for busy? Can I ask you a question? How ludicrous and absurd would it be if someone had an actual condition, a medical condition in which their body is falling apart like that, and they were just say, it's not really that big of a deal. I mean, I know I've got it. In fact, we all probably have it, and, and I know eventually, yeah, it probably is going to take my life, but I'm not really going to do anything about it. I'm going to make no adjustments to my life whatsoever. I'm just going to continue uh, moving forward. How absurd would that be? Now, I'll tell you what concerns me. 
What concerns me is the culture that we live in, it just seems to be so expected that we're going to be busy. And it seems that there is no solution to it, meaning that there's no real way out of it. And so what we do is we almost just kind of laugh it off. Yeah. I'm busy. No, you are too. We're just busy people. That's just what we do. And imagine someone saying, yeah, that's right. You know, I've got cancer. <laughs> now we wouldn't do that, would we? Do, do you believe at the end of the day that busyness, it's down on the bottom of your page there, of your points to remember. Do you believe what Kevin DeYoung says? When we are crazy busy, we put our souls at risk. See, what concerns me is that we believe that, meaning we believe it up here, but we're not really convinced of the reality of it, so we know it to be true, therefore we try to manage it somewhat, but when it comes to actually doing the surgery to do something about it, to bring healing, we're not willing to go there. Why? Because we believe it. We don't really believe it. In 1863, there was a battle that took place at Gettysburg in July, and it was a bloody battle. 7,000 soldiers on the north and, side, north and south side would die. All total, 50,000 would be wounded during that, uh, during that battle. It would prove to be one of the pivotal battles of the Civil War. And what happened on there was so significant, they decided to make a, a monument or a cemetery out of it and to, to, to pay homage to and, and honor those who had laid their lives on that very battlefield. And so in consecrating it and setting it aside, they asked one of the greatest orators of the day, Edward Everett, to come and to deliver the speech. Now, it was not uncommon for speeches to be long when it came to situations like this in particular. And so this former congressman, this former governor of Massachusetts, no one had a silver tongue like he did. And so when he said yes to the invitation, everything was set. And then President Lincoln decided that he would also make a visit. He decided he would come to Gettysburg. And so those who were putting this on felt the pressure to have the president say at least something, even though he was a bit of an afterthought. And so they sent a letter saying, if you could provide a few brief remarks. Edward Everett stands and waxes eloquence and for over two hours and over 13,000 words he put on display for the crowd who sat mesmerized by his ability to craft sentences. And when he got to the end, a thunderous ovation was given. There was a song that was sung next. There was a little choir that had got up in between them. And after that, the president made his way up to the stage. He was there in such a brief period of time that not a photo was taken of him. He didn't even have time to get the cameras ready because in two minutes, he delivered what is now probably the most famous, and some historians would even say the most important speech in American history, the Gettysburg Address, four score, and seven years ago. And during that time, with a laser focus, he honored those who had been there before. He even went so far as to say that our words will not be remembered, but what they have done will be remembered, and his words have never been forgotten. The contrast, two hours and 13,000 words worth of beauty and eloquence and wow! And two minutes of, eh, it was all right. 
It turned out to be one of the most poignant speeches ever given. I can't help but think that this is where we find ourselves in life. We opt for a life that is filled with wow and a lot of it. And it is like taking a shotgun into the woods and trying to find and kill some animal so we can have for food. We just do a whole lot of stuff and it looks good and sounds good. And it's nice on paper, but over here, we don't want to do that because that's just too simple. Someone who lives that kind of a life needs to get a life. This is a good life. And this is killing you. Do you believe it? I am not a prophet, nor am I a son of a prophet, but I want to stand, um, hopefully, in that role today. And just as in wars past, there have been those that would receive a warning shot that would go out. Maybe it came from one ship to another, to another in which a warning shot would be given, or maybe a shot was given at the feet of some folks say, don't come forward any further. What I want you to hear this morning is this. I'm here to line it up and to give you a warning shot and say, stop being so busy. It's killing your soul. The, for me, the biggest danger, the, the, the biggest head scratcher, the, the one that I say, oh, God, deliver us from this, is not the activity itself. It's not that there are things that we're involved in. That's not what the concern is. The concern is not even that there are a lot of activities to be involved in. The answer this morning is not to go from one pendulum to the next so we don't go from the life that most of us presently live into becoming a monk. That's not the answer. What's concerning to me is that this right here, I'm sorry, I can't get my things all mixed up. Speech here, yeah. That, that this kind of a life that we have in which it's a lot of wow factor, a lot going on over here, that, that what it's taking us away from is devoting ourselves fully to what it is that God has called us to. And what he has called you to is probably and likely different than what he has called me to. So we have a lot of good, a lot of wonderful stuff that I think in many ways is probably taking us away from what is best, what our calling is. That to me is the real danger. And it's so subtle. And we just keep on because, well, that's what we do. Say it this way, and then we'll get into our text. I'm afraid that this crazy, busy life that we have is diluting our lives. We are distracted and we are diluted from what it is that God has really called us to. If you have your Bibles, open with me to Luke chapter 10. It's a story that you all know. You're very familiar with it. It will take very little teaching on my end to uh, bring it to life. But Jesus has his disciples, and Jesus has just finished with giving a parable of the Good Samaritan. Randy has spent a great deal of time in that parable telling us about it. Great teaching on that. At the end of the day, what they're called to is to love God and to love others. That's what the calling is in here. Now, how do we love God and how do we love others? Notice that that's the context in which this story is going to be given. Verse 38 of Luke chapter 10 says this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made, and so she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? 
to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, I can't prove this, but it seems to me most likely that Jesus had sent word ahead of time to Martha and Mary to let them know that he would be coming so that provisions could be made. Now, again, the scriptures don't indicate that specifically, so I'm on somewhat of shaky ground. However, I think it's a logical assumption for us to make because virtually every other time Jesus sent word ahead to let folks know that he would be coming so that the preparations could be made. So likely, Martha and Mary already knew that Jesus was coming. And what would be the norm would be is that you would take care of all the preparations. Hello, by definition, prepare, get done beforehand, make preparations done before Jesus got there. Before your guest arrives into your home, you're to make preparations. Why is that? So you can hang out with your guest. So you can spend time with them. So you can just be in their presence. You can talk and exchange ideas. You can emote. You can support. You can cry with. You can rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Whatever you need to do, you just be with them. Now, for whatever reason, the preparations are not made, and so... When Jesus arrives, it sure seems that both Mary and Martha start out working together. The reason I think that is because Martha, I'm sorry, Martha in her complaint to Jesus says that, that Mary left her. So it's likely that she started out with these preparations and then the time comes though in which Jesus does the Jesus thing and he begins teaching. And so Mary leaves the preparations and she chooses willfully to come and to sit at the feet of Jesus. Here's what you need to know. That was a place that very few women would dare to go to. The woman didn't have the right to sit at the feet of a teacher or rabbi. That was not a part of the culture. That was the job for a man. So she comes and as a follower and disciple of Jesus, she plants herself firmly at his feet just to learn, just to hear, just to soak up, just to be with Jesus. Now, Martha is distracted. She's not doing anything evil. It's not like Mary has the halo overhead and she's got the pitchfork and horns coming out. It's not like it's that diametrically opposed. She's doing good things. People need to eat. It's a good thing to be hospitable. Paul says, be hospitable to all people. It's a good thing. It wasn't the best thing. Martha is, uh, is distracted over here, and, and, and likely Martha is the firstborn of the children. Can't prove that, uh, but there's several reasons why we would believe that would be the case. But Martha, uh, what we know about her for sure is that she's a doer. She is not someone who idly sits back and waits for life to happen. She attacks life with gusto. She's moving forward in a direction. She likes to get things done. Praise God for people like you, whoever you are that are out there. I'm not a big doer. I'm not one that likes to just get up in the morning like my wife gets up, crazy hours, does, 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 does. She just knocks so much stuff out. Her capacity to handle things in a day just blows my mind. I have a hard time just getting up and brushing my teeth. Martha is a doer, and she is doing. And she's doing for 
Jesus. Mary is sitting with Jesus. And so Martha gets ticked off at this, and she comes after Jesus. She comes after him, and she asks him, Do you care? Do you even notice that she's not with me? Is it even high up on your priority list? All of this stuff that's being left undone, Jesus, are you just going to hang out? Is this just Jesus time where we get to sit around and do absolutely nothing? Is that what this time is going to turn into? Do you care? Do you ask God that? Do you care? God, why are you not doing something right now? I've been asking you. I've been praying. I'm asking that you would move on my behalf, that you would make this happen. The Lord is tarrying. Do you care? My sister has left me to do the work all by myself. If I don't do it, then everything is going to just fall apart. (laughs) So Jesus... Tell her to help me. Now, this is my favorite part. God, do it. We would never do that, would we? We would never be so bold as to say, God, I've got a great plan for life, and uh, here's how it's going to work out. And so, God, I'm just asking that you would just do it. And now what the Lord could do in that particular circumstance is he could do, perfectly within his rights, is to say, zap. Do you know who I am? But what does he do right here in this circumstance? He gives her name twice. He does it so that he will get to the heart of where she is, but he does not do it, meaning that he's not bullying her at this point. He's not humiliating her he he says it in a voice that is comforting he says Martha Martha I I can't imagine any other scene other than him smiling scripture doesn't say he does that so this is thus saith David I just can't imagine him doing anything other than Martha Martha Now, the reason Martha responded like this was because of what was going on on the inside of her. What was going on inside internally was that she was filled with all kinds of worry. She's a doer. And when things don't get done, we begin to worry. And most importantly, she's trying to do this for the greatest person who has ever walked the earth. It's a man that she loves dearly, and he loves her dearly. And things or preparations are not... Not happening, and so she has this worry internally. So how does it manifest itself externally? By getting upset. She lashes out. This happens to us parents all the time. Worried about something that's going on in our children, and we don't see certain things in their lives quite yet, and they're not maturing on the rate that we want them to mature, and they're not making the decisions that we want them to make. And so what's happening internally is, oh, Lord, will they ever grow? Will they ever develop? Will they end up in this direction or that direction? Lord, I want them to be with you. And so oftentimes what happens is when our kids make a mistake, we take it out on them. Because internally, we're worried. And externally, we get upset. Bosses do it with their employees. The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. 
Only one thing is needed. Mary made a choice based on what it is that she valued that she would place herself at the feet of Jesus. And in this particular circumstance, it seems that it was at the expense of something else getting done. What the scriptures would not indicate as a whole is that we should always leave things undone. Scriptures would not say that. God has given us things to do. They're important. They're right. They're good. My question to you is this, though. Are you so distracted by doing what it is that you want to do, even if it's for Jesus, that you neglect spending time with Jesus? We are distracted for many reasons. We are busy for many reasons. Our lives run at a breakneck speed for many reasons, and I won't list them all, but what I would like to say just simply is this. We are crazy busy. We are distracted from what it is God has called us to for at least these three reasons. Number one, we think significance is associated with busyness. Please be honest with yourself on this. We believe that if a person has a life that is hectic and frantic, then that means that they are wanted more, they are valued more, that there are more people who want to get a hold of their time because they're so special, they're so unique, they're so good, and nobody can do what you do. And so the busier we are, the more important we feel. Don't believe me? Do you ever find yourself thinking that someone is not a productive citizen when they are out of a job for a long time? What are your natural thoughts on those who are on welfare? Now, I'm not here to debate whether or not that's appropriate or not appropriate, right or not right. I'm not here to debate. All I'm here to do is to bring up something in our hearts and our minds that we really do value. We place and associate value with busyness. Because those who are not busy are obviously not wanted. Jillian Deacon wrote this, there is no social stigma attached to the frenzy, no peer motivation to slow us down. Rather, it is the opposite. Busy is popular currency, traded among members of modern society like a precious commodity. Busy is the silkiest cloth at the emporium, the most well-traveled spice, living with a full schedule speedily typed into a pinging, vibrating device is a highly valued state of being. And as with any addiction, it becomes self-perpetuating. We feel a rush from being in a rush. We take pride in the breakneck pace at which we travel through our days. One of the things I've noticed is that I just have not come across anyone in years that has just said, uh, when I ask them this question, how are you doing? Nobody recently has said, bored out of my gourd. I got nothing going on, man. I cannot find something to do at all. <laughs> Anything you want me to do, Dave? The common response is what? I'm busy. Why are you busy? Because I'm busy. Have you thought about not being busy? Oh, I'd love it. 
I would love to not be busy. Really? Here's your opportunity. Let me show you how you can do it. Now I'm busy. (laughs) It's a striving that we have on our part to try to find and associate significance and value and place it upon ourselves. Friends, I'm here to tell you value and significance is not found in your schedule. Value is found in being a child of God. You want me to illustrate that for you? Moms, do you really need your kids to do anything for you? I'm not talking about chores. I'm not talking about as they get older to help in life and learn responsibility. I'm talking about early in life when they're young and they can't do jack squat except for squat. (laughs) Do you need them to do anything for you? No. Do you value them? Oh, yeah. As your kids get older and the time comes in which they're ready to go off to school, to college, do you not value more and more their time just being in your presence? You don't need them necessarily to go to the store and get milk, although sometimes that's appropriate and right and helpful, but what you really long for as a parent is just to have them with you because you know they're about to go off. You value based on who they are, not on what they do. Same thing is true of God and us, folks. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need me to preach this sermon. He doesn't need me to ever preach again. He doesn't need me to counsel. He doesn't even really need me to parent my own children. He can do whatever it is he wants to do. He just values you. So value is not found in your schedule. Value is found in being a child. Secondly, while we're too busy, we live by a watch rather than a compass. Now, I think it was Stephen Covey, I think, but I'm not the one who created this sort of a, of a picture. I think it was him in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People that said this, and I latched onto it and by it. Our lives are directed by a calendar, by a clock, by a schedule, rather than di- dictated by a direction at which we are going to live. How do you know what it is that you're supposed to be doing for that day? Well, we pull out our calendar and we look and we see and we know that somebody has scheduled this and that and I got to be here for that period and I got to do this and finish by this time so I can be back over here and I got to get it done today because tomorrow I start really early and then the evening ends really late and so I know I've got to get here and so we're operating our whole lives off of what this little box tells us our life should look like. Rather than saying, God, what have you called me to? What direction do you want me to walk in? And I will say no to this and no to this so that I can say yes to this. Would your schedule right now, would it put on prominent display what you say you value? Or would it put on display that you value activity? Alan Cohen said this, busyness is not a reason for not getting other things done. It is an excuse for not claiming your true priorities. Very quickly, Ephesians chapter 5. I have taught this passage on many other occasions, and now I believe I've actually taught it a little bit incorrectly after studying for this. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. We are to imitate God in what? For years I thought this was only connecting what was coming in chapter 5 
realize now it's actually connecting what was back here and on through chapter 5. Be imitators of God in what? God has called us to be children of his so that we might love him and love others in the same way that Christ did. So what God is most interested in is conforming his children into the image of his son, the only one who lived an undistracted life so that we might love him like Jesus loves and might love others like Jesus loves others. And the truth is, I can't do that. But when I sit in his presence, when I value, when I walk in a direction, when I imitate him, Jesus somehow or another does something internally. Be imitators of God. Look at verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Be very careful how you structure your life, is what Paul tells us. Be very careful what you put on that calendar, what you say yes to and no to. Be very careful. Does it fit within the overall scope and spectrum of what God has called you to do? Is this the best way to love God and to love others? Be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but rather as wise. Unwise, meaning the only thing you're taking into consideration is my wisdom plus the world's wisdom. It sure seems to me this is the best route to go. The other wisdom that he's talking about here is the wisdom that comes directly from God. And what is it in in light of? Of discerning what his will is. Don't live as unwise, left to yourself. Live as wise, begging God to give you some direction. Make the most of every opportunity. You know what that term means? It means to buy the time. It means to redeem time. It means literally to buy, sell the time back. The days are evil. They're so short. We've only got a little bit of time on this globe. And what God is saying is redeem it, buy it, purchase it, invest everything you have to invest it wisely. We all only have 24 hours in a day. And we all only have a short period of time in which he has put us on this globe to live upward and also outward. So make the most of every opportunity. Don't spend your wheels just doing stuff. Live it wisely. Don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't be too hasty to make that say what it is that the Lord's will is for my life specifically. What Paul is writing about here in context is the Lord's will for salvation, for how it is that we're called to live directionally. We attach significance and value with busyness, whatever the second one was. And thirdly, (laughs) sorry. Thirdly, we place too little value on our souls. Do you believe me when I say that a distracted life, one that is out a million miles an hour, we tend to ignore what's going on right in here? One of the reasons I love to live at a breakneck speed is because I don't have to put my head on a pillow late at night and really think. I don't have to get alone with the thoughts as to who I am and who I am not who I am becoming and who I am not becoming. If I can just do, 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 then I don't have to sit and soak as much. This may be the most profound quote all morning long, 
Seneca said this, finally, everybody agrees that no one pursuit can be successfully followed by a man who is preoccupied with many things. Eloquence cannot, nor liberal studies, since the mind, when distracted, takes in nothing very deeply, but rejects everything that is as if it were crammed into it. Please listen to this. There is nothing the busy man is less busied with than living. There's nothing that is harder to learn. There's nothing that we do less when we get busy than actually live life. So would you take the advice of Psalm 4610? You don't have to turn there. It says, be still and know that I am God. It is a command. It is emphatic in the, in the way in which it is written. So the way it would actually read is this. Be still. I'm reminded of Jesus as he was looking out at a storm that was raging. It was all up and then he gets up in front of him and says, shh, be quiet. And the sea went down. And that's what God tells us to do, to stop. Why? So that we might know who he is. I'm only going to point you to some resources. I'm not going to give you any solutions this morning, but uh, some resources that would be helpful for you or me are these. One is a book by Kevin DeYoung entitled Crazy Busy. He will be just as unhelpful as I have been for you today. He gives seven diagnoses about why it is that we live this life and why we're comfortable with it. And then at the end, he talks about the one thing that's needed. He, um, it is great at diagnosing the heart of why it is that I do what I do. Another book that actually is helpful and helping you to discover how it is that we can live a life that is this way rather than like this. It's a book from Gordon MacDonald entitled Ordering Your Private World. Both of those resources are available. One last resource is a sermon series that Randy Pope, our, our lead teacher, gave right here a couple of years ago. It's entitled The Church, Your Church, and You, in which he talks about how to develop a life plan. Would you please pick those up? And would you spend some time with God? I got another 60 seconds to close out our time to close the story of, uh, of Mary and Martha. This year, I have seen uh, the profound influence of focus from an organization who has been helping my children. Two of my children have got some education needs, and so we went to a place in the fall to do some stuff at a brain level and a place over here to, to uh, attack the academic side of things. Linda Mood Bell is the name of that organization. I have learned so much from them about parenting. I've got one son who is just an artist. He loves color. He loves sound. He loves all. And so when he shares a story, he's reciting back the information. The goal is to help him create memories in his head so he can comprehend. And when he's reciting back the story, he can do it in a Broadway. And the man said, and he, did, and he can be all over. He can lay on the floor over here. And, and here's what the folks at Linda Mood Bell do. I'll sit down with him. When they walk over here, with they, they're not, they don't let the distractions get in the way because they have a laser focus that says, is he able to retain this or not? And what God has done in those little boys' lives right now is remarkable. And I'm learning to live a focused life, and I am just nowhere close to being there yet. 
So let me close by reading to you, finishing out the story from Mary and Martha in John 11. Martha, the one who was so distracted earlier, hears that Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming because Lazarus had died, and so he was coming on the way, and Scripture tells us that when they hear, Martha goes out to meet Jesus. Yes, Martha is the one who goes out to meet Jesus. Where's Mary? Inside. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Martha's testimony was, God, I know if you would have been here, things would have been different, but I believe in you. She's the one who went to him. Mary was the one who stayed in the house. And then Mary comes out, and what does Mary say to him? When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And Scripture doesn't record repentance on Mary's part. Here's the point. Sometimes you'll be Mary. Sometimes you'll be Martha. But Jesus is Jesus, whether you are Mary or Martha. So my prayer for you is this. Whether you're Mary at this time or Martha at this time, go to Jesus. Because the only one who has ever lived an undistracted life is the only one who can restore sanity to the soul. And that's what you long for. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for you being you. And I pray that you would guide us and direct us now. Would you lead us into your presence? And would you do something with us in your presence? Would you change us? And would you help us to live an undistracted life? I don't know what that looks like, but God, will you help us? So Lord, today, if there's anything that I have spoken that is not true, I pray that you would erase it from our memories. But if there's anything that you have spoken to us, then I pray that you would bury that deep within our souls and help us to become doers of your word and not just hearers only. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen listening to the Perimeter Church podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.